As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I'm down to dunk. And I'm down to dunk. I'm down to dunk. This is J-Dub and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shea Gilders Alexander, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lindy Waters, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala, and I'm down to dunk. This is Jay Will, and I'm down to dunk. This is Kenneth Williams, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lou Dort, and I'm down to dunk. We say this is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. <laughs> this is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. <laughs> Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me as always on Wednesdays, I'm a good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? Hi, Andrew. Hello. And hardly ever, maybe never, before with us on Wednesdays uh, is my guy Kyle Boone from CBS Sports. Kyle covers college basketball, the draft. He's actually in Chicago right now at the Combine. Uh, Kyle, thanks for joining the show. Hello, and first time with all three of us on the podcast. That's correct. Oh, it's wonderful. This is so Love great. It. Uh, so did you go to the lottery last night? I did go to the lottery last night. So, okay. So were you in the back room or were you at the show? I was in the room where it happened. I was in the room <gasps> Ooh, where it happened. Oh my gosh. Tell us everything. Tell us everything we, we need to know. Oh my gosh. Peter John Holt just stole the show. It's fantastic. <laughs> I mean, just like, uh, I talked to him afterwards cause he had a, a short little media scrum, uh, where he fielded some questions and, this checked out based off how things went, but you know, like they Mark Tatum opens the envelopes and he gets to the number two pick. The Hornets are the number two pick, right? And he sees the Hornets logo and immediately starts celebrating because he knows <laughs> by process of elimination yeah. that the Spurs have won the number one pick. And so he, you know, he's very much woo girling on stage. Uh, uh, let's go, let's go, and then a woo. <laughs> and um it was fantastic and he had like had to apologize to mark williams who was the hornets representative um, <laughs> afterwards saying that you know he, he thought he might have got some spittle on him but could not contain his excitement i mean it was um the first words that he had on espn was like i might faint and it wasn't anything about victor women or winning the lottery it's just like I'm going to pass out. Like, I'm so excited. So uh, that was to me like kind of the highlight of the night because whoever's going to win the lottery, right. Was, was going to be really excited. But yeah. I, I mean, just to see him, you know, just completely lose control. Like he probably blacked out for a second. He was just so excited to, to win, you know, one of the most uh, coveted prospects in a long time. Well, I was telling Andrew, like I, I remember watching the 2003 draft lottery when LeBron went to the Cavs, but like back then there just wasn't the media coverage. There wasn't the social media. So it like the, the whole idea of Memphis only keeping their pick, if they had gotten the number one pick back in 2003, that would have been such a huge deal if they fall to number two nowadays, but now it's just kind of something that like you kind of forget. And so it was cool to have this moment where there's this clear generational star. And even as a fan of a team that didn't have a good chance to jump up with the thunder, I was stressed all day. I just because it felt like this momentous event in the history of the league 
if yeah. this guy really is a generational project or prospect on the level of a LeBron or right below LeBron. And I was just nervous the entire day because there are teams that I don't want him to go to. And there were teams that I'd be okay with. And so when I saw it, for me, it was when I saw the Rockets at four. Yeah, That was mm. when I let out my big whoop because I was like, okay, at least he's not going to the Rockets. Yeah, And honestly, the way it ended up, I'm fine with. Yeah. I have no beef with the Spurs. And, uh, you know, for all, a bunch of reasons, they seem like a great fit. But... Yes, yeah, I was very nervous in a way I wasn't expecting to be since like I, I never really thought the Thunder were going to jump up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't either. Yeah, I, I felt I, – I don't know that I felt nervous. I just kind of felt certain that they were going to be at 12. I just was like kind of resided to the yeah. fact they're going to yeah. be at 12. You know, that's that's the way that it's going to be. But people were still excited. Like people were in my mentions like all day. Like I'm pretty sure they're gonna get the number one pick. I just have a feeling, you know. <laughs> it's like cool, cool. Um, so the Thunder stay at twelve. I feel like there's there are good options for the Thunder there. The Thunder have picked at twelve before, and it's mm-hmm. worked out pretty well for them. Um, it's pretty interesting because, and Joe Masato pointed this out, that they picked. Nick Collison at 12. 10 years later, they pick Steven Adams at 12. And then 10 years later, they get this other 12th pick, which is just so weird. Just like so bizarre. But So that skips over J-Dub? Skips over J-Dub, yeah. Oh, well, that's unfortunate because he would be a nice progression <laughs> I know. along that line. I know. <laughs> so they're obviously going to draft a big white guy. At this spot, which is what of course what history is telling us. So, so. Grady Dick looks like our option. Grady in Dick that will range. be the guy. Um, I'm in. Kyle, just looking at like different mock drafts and kind of where consensus is on this draft. Who at twelve do you think makes sense for the Thunder? I'm happy to report I might be a Buffkin boy. Yes. Oh, really? I might be a Buffkin boy. Yes. And. And Andrew might be talking me into it. Um, that's not who I have in my in my latest mock draft, but I can see it would make a lot of sense. It feels like OKC the way they've drafted. You know, they they really prioritize guys who are smart, who can play multiple positions. He's a really good playmaker. He's a really good passer. He's a very gifted scorer, and uh, I think would check a lot of boxes. Me personally, like being from Oklahoma. I'm not a huge Thunder fan, I wouldn't say, because I, I try to be, you know, I try to take out some of my biases, but I do think I would like to see them draft a shooter. Yeah. So, like a Jordan Hawkins or a Grady Dick, to me, would, you know, from a roster construction perspective, make a lot of sense. That being said, that really would not jive with how OKC has drafted over the years under Sam Presti. Now, if Grady Dick is high on their board and and he's there at number twelve, then sure, I, I think I think you have to go that route. But um, that that to me, I think is going to be interesting. Jordan Hawkins, Grady Dick, two guys that I think uh, I would prioritize personally just because of fit. That being said, if you you know if you're not prioritizing fit and you're just trying to get the most talented player, which I think OKC is going to try to do, uh, they may, maybe look a different direction at Nick Smith Jr., Keontae George. Uh, Bryce Sensabaugh, Leonard Miller, somewhere somewhere along those lines. So I'm looking at the mock draft that you put out last night mm-hmm. um, on CBSSports.com. Mm. Do you feel like there's a drop-off at some point, not necessarily in terms of talent, but in terms of I would be very surprised if these guys fell below this range. Like, do you, like I'm kind of looking at around nine, like pick nine, where you have Taylor yeah. Hendricks. Does that feel like a cutoff point where you'd be surprised if any of those top nine fell below there? Yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised if like I think Taylor Hendricks his range is somewhere between like five and thirteen. Uh, there's definitely guys in like that five to end of lottery range where I feel like they kind of are interchangeable. Like I have Keontae George a little bit higher in in my rankings, but I'm aware now that that consensus is that he's like maybe late lottery, late teens guy now. So, mm-hmm. um, and same with, with case Wallace who, you know, Kentucky guards continually underperforming in college and just going on to be stars in the NBA. Uh, he could be next in line. He's a great defender, good playmaker. Um, Anthony black, Nick Smith jr. Like there's a lot of guys that I think are in that, you know, 
mid to late lottery range where you could kind of put them in any order and it would not totally surprise me. I'm sure we'll get maybe some clarity on that in the coming weeks. And I think the combine this week will will be really important, but uh, yeah, to me, like the drop off probably beyond the, the Thompson twins and then maybe Taylor Hendricks um, and Jarris Walker, like in that range, I I think there is kind of a tear break. Okay. So you do have Jordan Hawkins going to the thunder in your mock draft. Hmm. Thoughts on obviously he's a, a really good shooter, can relocate, yep. is kind of a madman. It's not hard to see how he would fit with this team, with all the great passers. I I want to know what you think about his size and then about his ability to defend at like the NBA level. Hmm. I think his defense would be fine. Um I know that's kind of maybe a sticking point or something that I think people will want to dive into, but I think his size is pretty good. Um, positionally, I think he'll be able to match up pretty well. Um, where he fits in the NBA, like this is a guy who uh, I don't think he quite profiles as someone who can create. Um, you look at kind of his profile and he's like a really good shooter in terms of being, you know, like a spot up shooter, catch and shoot guy. Um, Synergy had him in the 97th percentile last season in uh, in spot up shooting situations, which is really, really good. And if you watch him with UConn, it's like he's very, I hesitate to say it because I I don't want to invoke just crazy names, but he's very Curry-like in the way that he can create on offense. He just is a madman. As you said, like he sprints around the court, just going crazy. He gets a ton of cardio in. Um, he works really hard to kind of get himself open. I think there's probably some limitations to his game offensively in terms of how he's going to get offense. Like he's, he's a guy who you're going to have to set run sets for. He's going to got, he's, he's going to have to run off of screens, run around the floor and, and get open. He's not a guy who I think will be like a, a dribble shooter off, off the, off the dribble creating offense. But uh, for what he does, he does at a very, very high level. So, you know, it, again, if you're thinking like, I want to draft a star at number 12, maybe Jordan Hawkins isn't that guy. But if you're drafting for fit and and someone who, who can be kind of a, a really good mesh with what the Thunder currently have would make would make a lot of sense for sure. So I wanted to go back to Kobe Bufkin because um, – Am I correct that you previously were maybe a little bit lower on him than someone like Andrew, a big Buffkin boy, of course? Um, mm-hmm. We've been so positive about Kobe Buffkin. I would actually like to hear the negative, or not the negative case, but like the downside case for Kobe Buffkin. Why might you have had him lower on your board than someone like Andrew? Yeah, it's probably more of like, I didn't catch up quick enough with with the market. He started the season you know, slower than, you know, maybe you would expect for someone of his, his, his pedigree. And, um, Jed Howard was like playing, you know, significantly more minutes. He was, uh, uh, more involved in Michigan's offense than, than Kobe Bufkin, but down the stretch, like Bufkin really got involved with Michigan kind of emerged as kind of their go-to playmaker. And, um, that's, that's probably more anything, uh, related to Bufkin. Like this is a guy who I think probably I didn't catch up quick enough with the market and Andrew was clearly setting the propaganda narrative <laughs> well ahead of time. And um, so, yeah, like it just a, a really good like secondary playmaker, really good guard. He can be a good spot up shooter, good shooting touch, good finisher, like uh, kind of a slender frame, maybe a little bit concerning about how he'll hold up defensively, but like his defense is like pretty good from what I've seen. And I think the numbers kind of bear that out as well. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm here to be a Buffkin boy. Um, I'm here to kind of set the, the propaganda narrative. We're back, baby. Yeah. He, uh, he is really skinny. That would, that would kind of yeah. be the thing that I think yeah. I would worry about with him. But he's so well-rounded compared to a lot of these other guys. And that's kind of the thing with this draft after Scoot Henderson, Brandon Miller. It's like, oh, man, they're like glaring weaknesses. And like almost every single player from yep. from there on. And then you kind of get to Buffkin, you're like, I don't know, he kind of does everything. And maybe the concern too would be, okay, what is he gonna do at an elite level in the NBA? Mm-hmm. I 
I mean, I guess there's there's definitely a chance that he gets to the NBA and he can't do anything at any level. He's just like an okay player where he's just kind of a bench guy that kind of comes in and plays 20 minutes a game and at at best, and that's kind of what he is. But I think he's got a little bit more shake than that. Um, so I, I like him a lot. I don't know. He, he doesn't have elite size for position, which is something the Thunder really like yeah. too, which is why you could look at somebody like Brandon Miller at that spot. Or not Brandon Miller, Leonard Miller. Sorry, you would definitely like a Brandon Miller. That would be Miller cool. There. If he Heck yeah. If he falls, if he falls, um, <laughs> yeah, Leonard Miller at that spot, who does have really good size for position. Um, yeah. Do you have his combine measurements mm. handy? I don't. Who um, Leonard Miller? Mm-hmm. I can get him real quick. Okay, because it was <laughs> it was kind of insane, um, kind of unexpected. Buffkin too measured a little bit taller than I thought he would as yeah. well. So, and he's he's a really young sophomore, so he still could be growing from where mm-hmm. he measured at the beginning of the year. Um, but yeah, Leonard Miller is gonna is probably gonna measure like in shoes like like six eleven, six ten in shoes. I'd say six ten. Yeah, um, that'd be my guess. And like good length, he's mm-hmm. he's got he's got great size. I don't know. What do you what do you think about his game? Okay, can I can I play devil's advocate here? I feel yes. like Thunder fans really get attached to big combo forwards who are lefties. Yeah. Like everyone got really excited for Darius Baisley, right? Because the pent- the potential was there. Like he's a very highly touted recruit. Yeah. Uh can be kind of, you know, a playmaking wing. I feel like he, Leonard Miller might be a fancy Darius Baisley. Like <laughs> Very long, great size. Um, the worst thing you could have possibly said. The and I'm just playing devil's advocate here. I do like Leonard Miller. Well, you are the devil. I might be the devil. He's, he's got great touch, finish around the rim. Like he's his positional size is great. He feels like again cliche. He feels like what the Thunder would like in a draft prospect. What they have typically like prioritized. Um, I think the offense is still maybe a little bit raw, but I don't know. I'm just I'm just playing devil's advocate. I like I think there's probably some other fits that may be better at the at the number twelve spot. But if uh, if the Thunder looked this direction and went this path, like historically, that would just be like, yeah, okay, of course we we should have seen that coming. So his measurements: six nine and a quarter without shoes, two hundred and twelve mm. pounds, six uh, seven two wingspan. Okay. I guess the the reason I uh, wouldn't be as worried, at least about the Bayes comp, is because from what I'm reading, Leonard Miller was a very good finisher this year, and that was one of yes. the big issues with Bayes for years and years and years that he just like couldn't figure out the mechanics of a right. layup consistently. He, like every time he drove to the rim, it always looked different, and he would throw up these wild shots. I know that Leonard Miller similarly like creates his own path on the way to the rim as well, that he has kind of like a weird style. Um, But it was reassuring to see that he's a pretty, he was a really good finisher in the ignite. Yeah. And I, and I think like his, his playmaking ability, like the way that he can legitimately be like a playmaker and like pressure the rim as an attacking combo forward, who's like pushing six foot 10 is very, very interesting. Like in a nutshell, you just kind of the, the bull case for Leonard Miller, like this guy who who could, you know, if he, if his ceiling hits a ceiling, he could be a, a really really useful piece for an NBA rotation. So, um, yeah, like I I am not out on Leonard Miller by any stretch. I think I have him top twenty on the CBS Big Board right now. So, um, I've been high on him for a long time, and and it felt like last year he had some momentum as a potential lottery pick too before, you know, deciding to. To, to run it back and, and do one more year. So I'm excited to watch him this week. I, I think he's already had a pretty solid week at the, at the combine, just from what I've seen in, in drills and uh, the way he carries himself, I, I think is really impressive. I stood next to him and I just had to like crane my neck so hard because this dude is so stinking tall. Um, so I, I think he'll have, I think he'll probably have a good week and I think he's probably going to be a guy who's rising up big boards. We mentioned uh, his measurements. Has there been anyone else at the combine so far who has had a surprising measurement, like either someone who was taller than everyone expected or shorter than everyone expected? Uh, not height that stands out to me. Um, a couple of 
vertical jumps surprised me. Julian Phillips uh, had like a 43-inch vertical jump, which he's a very explosive athlete, but him just like clearly being the the most explosive athlete at the Combine was pretty surprising and impressive. Um, Brandon Podzimski, uh, Santa Clara guard, had like a almost 40-inch vertical. And um, so that was kind of impressive, stood out to me because he's someone who... I think people see as a combination, you know, playmaking, scoring guard who maybe isn't the best athlete and um, him having like a great vertical jump kind of feels like it answers some questions about his athleticism. So excited to watch him too this week. Uh, I know we're big Santa, Santa Clara fans on this on this podcast. So Definitely. I think he has a, a good potentially a good week ahead. Yeah, he could be somebody that's there at 37 for OKC. Yeah. Um, yeah. Tell us some, a little bit more about his game. Yeah. Um, I talked to him earlier this week, so I'm, I'm trying to work on kind of a story about Pajemski, but this is a guy who was a four-star recruit coming out of high school. Uh, Mr. Wisconsin basketball signed um, with Illinois out of high school and signed with Illinois after two uh, fifth-year seniors decided to come back. So entered a situation that was really not conducive to him producing right away. Uh, Jalen Williams helps recruit him to Santa Clara, says, hey, you know, like, they'll give you the keys of the car. They'll let you drive as fast as you want. Hmm. And um, so he decides to go to Santa Clara, has a great season at Santa Clara, is, is actually the WCC co-player of the year, along with Gonzaga's Drew Timmy. And um, now is on the radar, I think, as a potential like late first, early second guy. Um, he mostly focused on baseball growing up. He played a little bit of football. He was a safety. Um, when I talked to his dad earlier this week, he told me that like he always tried to, when he was playing basketball, tried to play him up. So he was playing with older guys because he wanted his son to fail. He wanted his son to go back and really focus on baseball because he felt like baseball was like his bread and butter. He was very gifted as a pitcher. He was a really good hitter. And um, so, so that's kind of the backstory to him. He, he talked a little bit about how he learned playing basketball, watching video games. That's kind of how he learned to form his jump shot. He's a lefty. He's, he's very crafty, uh, a combo guard who I think can, Similar, he's he may be like a discount uh Kobe Bufkin, like pretty good size. I think defensively he'll hold up pretty well. Combination scoring guard who who can do a little playmaking and scoring. Uh, his shooting, I think, is uh is really elite, and I'm really excited kind of about uh that potential and what he can bring from that aspect. He's also a crazy rebounder for just like yeah. some like six five guy out yeah. there, which is yeah. what makes him pretty interesting for this team because I think the Thunder want to play small and like the only way that you can really do that successfully is if you have guys that are like 6'8 and under that are really good rebounders and they have some of those guys already but he kind of I mean he fits that I don't know if he'll be around mm -hmm. by 37 but he kind of he definitely ticks a lot of boxes there Jalen uh, Wilson I know we're not talking I don't want to jump and yeah, change yeah. subjects Jalen Wilson from Kansas would make a lot of sense too yeah um, one of the best players in the Big 12 last season has always been like a tremendous rebounder for his position he's like you know, somewhere around six foot eight uh, Kansas mostly played like small ball lineups with him last season they really didn't have like a traditional big man like Kansas normally does and Kansas was awesome last season their offense was great. He's a guy who can create second chance opportunities. To me, if if OKC is wanting to play, you know, kind of some small ball lineups, he would make a lot of sense. I think he would be there in the, in the 30s. Someone who is is probably because he played several seasons in college is a little bit older. I believe he played four seasons at Kansas, um, and I know like typically older prospects tend to slide, uh, but. Yeah, the the college production profile that he brings, I think, is uh, is kind of appealing as someone who who may you know OKC may have their eyes on at thirty seven. Yeah, yeah, I like that too. Uh, so go ahead, go ahead, Al. Yeah, so there's there's a lot of Thunder fans who um, don't don't really care where we ended up because we're like, hey, we have all these picks, we can just move up if we really like a guy. 
Uh, Ed about to dunk asked about that. Could we do some type of consolidation trade to move up? Let's assume that getting up to two or three would be too rich for Sam Presti. Is there mm. anyone in like that four to 10 range that you both really like as a prospect and think would be a really good fit for the Thunder to the point where you'd be willing to give up future assets to move up and try to get them? Oh, yeah. Cam Whitmore to me. Um, this is a guy who I have as the number four in this class. And I think there's there's not really consensus beyond the top three. Like so, Victor Wembanyama, clear number one. Scoot Henderson or Brandon Miller, two and three depends on the order. It gets kind of interesting at number four, where I would prefer Cam Whitmore, but I'm in Thompson from Overtime Elite, Osar Thompson, his twin brother from Overtime Elite, Keontae George, Kaysen Wallace, Anthony Black, Jarris Walker. All those guys I think could go in some order in like the four to ten range. If Cam Whitmore, for whatever reason, you know, he Amin Thompson goes number four and then Osar goes number five, suddenly Cam Whitmore's on the board at number six. I'm making calls. I'm saying, hey, can we go get Cam Whitmore? Because he's an explosive vertical athlete. He's a guy who I think is a great spot up shooter. He kind of toiled away in obscurity this, this past season at Villanova because Villanova, like, was kind of really bad surprisingly really bad mm -hmm. but former five-star recruit came in came into college um off of a great summer circuit i believe it was on the fiba circuit um so i i think he's kind of a winning player he's he's more of a wing he's like six foot seven six foot eight great positional size will be a good defender in the nba and um is kind of like to me, I like you're looking for someone who can shoot, who you can put next to to Giddy and and next to SGA. Um, he's definitely that, but he's also a lot more than that um, as kind of like a power wing. Um, so to me, if if he is somehow able to be acquired, um, whether you're moving all the way up to number four or potentially if he slips a little bit, and you're you're making a call up. Um, that's someone who I think OKC. Um, would would make a lot of sense with with the Thunder and kind of their current roster. Can so one of the pass? Yeah, I was going to ask, and specifically like mm -hmm. the lack of playmaking has that always been a part of his game, or was that yeah. something that was more you know highlighted at Villanova? Yeah, I. You're saying like he wasn't much of a playmaker at Villanova. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, like his the, the just the lack of passing, the lack of assists. Was that yeah. always? A, a downside a weakness of his game or is that just something because he like got the keys at Villanova that popped there? Yeah. He, he's, he's always like, to me, I, I view him as kind of like a slashing wing. He can, he can make some plays, but that's not like his, his game. Um, they put him on the ball a lot last season at Villanova. And I think that was kind of like to highlight some of his strengths um, that maybe he's flashed at times. So uh, his assist rate last season's like, pretty bad 6.4 percent um so yeah that was actually really bad and his turnover rate was like 15 percent. so that's not good i i feel like that villanova team in general like if you look at the context of that team there wasn't a ton of really good weapons around him so that may have played some role um i don't see him as much of a playmaker to be honest he's more of like a, a slasher someone who can be kind of a, a catch and shoot weapon um, who has you know great size and, and can play maybe multiple positions. He's very powerful. He's very strong. Um, I think can be like a multi-positional defender. Um, but the you know the playmaking is probably one area where he probably needs to improve a little bit. What do you think about his three-point shot? Um, I think he shot thirty-four percent this past yeah. year, and then he's like seventy percent from the line. Do you think that he can be a like above-average shooter at the NBA level? I think so. Um, I'm pulling up his his catch and shoot numbers now. Mm -hmm. I, I think the three point shot was good. It, it was maybe not what you would hope for from uh, like a definite top five, top ten pick. Uh, but to me, I, I think what he showed as kind of a, a catch and shoot weapon was was really impressive. Synergy had him in the 84th percentile as a as a catch and shoot weapon last season, um, which is by their ratings, excellent. Um, so that's that's pretty good as a as a true freshman in college playing in a major conference, um, and and especially given the attention that he had 
with Villanova last season. I'm pretty impressed with that. I think his his playmaking, his finishing, his finishing in particular, I think was was pretty good when he was attacking the basket. So um, that that dimension that he brings to the table as a slasher, someone who can uh, attack the rim and and be kind of an above the rim player, someone who's super athletic, uh, is is very appealing to me. And again, like going back to what OKC kind of prioritizes and, and really values in prospects. Uh, Cam Whitmore seems to uh, very competitive checks a ton of boxes. I really like kind of his profile and, and what he can be in the NBA. Yeah. I, my biggest question is that the thunder just want like rhythm players that can make decisions with the basketball. And, yeah. you know, maybe there were, maybe he has more of that than, than what he showed at Villanova. But just from what I've watched there, I just, I feel like he is probably a better fit for another franchise just because like the Thunder very much prioritize, you know, being able to make a play with the ball. Um, And so I've all, I've, and I've kind of discounted him some and I I need to go back and watch again. Um, Just because if I don't, a lot of times if I don't see that initially, I'm like, okay, he's probably not a Thunder guy, but also the, the Thunder may be at a point where they're just like, Hey, we need a play finisher. And I don't. I mean, I I don't have direct knowledge if that's true or not. Um, but he definitely would be interesting. And Josh Giddy would be forced to learn how to throw lobs. He'd be forced yeah. to learn how to with Cam Whitmore out there because Cam can like he can get up. It's insane. Yeah. Um, of the guys in you know your your top ten that you mocked. Who do you have the biggest question marks about? Like you, you still have them ranked highly as a prospect, but you just have serious questions about their long-term ability. Mm. My hot take is I maybe have some questions for uh, for Brandon Miller. Um, okay. okay. I don't think I don't think I'm going to go there though. Um, man, it, <sighs> Case and Wallace, I think, is probably the one that just immediately stands out to me. Hmm. Um, he was, I, he had like the opportunity to really like seize control of that Kentucky team with severe Wheeler kind of ailing throughout the season with injuries and didn't quite take over in the way that maybe a, a lot of people had hoped as uh, as kind of like their lead playmaker. So uh, I think he's like a great defensive playmaker. Kaysen Wallace is like maybe the most um, NBA ready perimeter defender in this class um pretty good size i have some questions about what his offense will be at the nba level not entirely bought in on his shot uh but i think the defense is like such a great foundational piece that still i have him in the top 10 even if i think there's some questions about like projecting him to the nba level i apologize uh if you're alive on the stream you may have seen my wife come in here and feed me a bite of ice cream she, I got, mm. I got her a uh, this ninja <laughs> creamy thing for her birthday. Um, you guys heard of this? No. It basically oh, no. will turn yeah. any. It'll turn like what you do. So what we what we did is we made a protein shake. You put it in the freezer, and then this, and then you put it in this machine, and it will make it into like ice cream, like legit ice cream. And, so and how was it? It was delightful. Yeah, it was delightful. It's it's yeah. so early in the morning, Andrew. It's yeah, so it really early is. For ice cream. Oh, it's my like not gosh. even ten I, there. I haven't even had coffee yet, and you're already like skipping to ice cream. This is unbelievable. <laughs> that's uh, that's about how it goes over here. <laughs> uh, so we we talked about the potential of moving up, and obviously uh, one of the key components of that would likely be trading one of their many 2024 draft picks uh at mr quimba wanted to know is next year's draft class stinky and how does that impact our ability to trade up what are your early thoughts on uh, next year's draft class is it really as bad as everyone is saying uh i don't think it's as bad as everyone's saying i'll i'll fully just be transparent here i'm not I'm not totally abreast with the 2024 class. I'm so knee deep in the 2023 class that mm. I am not fully prepared for it. So um, in general, I feel like I am very much a fan of trading future picks to try and get players now because you get more swings. Now, you know, kind of how those, those guys are going to pan out. Um, and most of the time, future picks that you have, depending on protections, like 
a lot of those are fake first, right? They're, like they're late first round picks, uh, maybe don't have protections. I'm not sure. Um, so yeah, like I'm in general, I'm a fan of if you can trade some future assets and, and move up into this class. Uh, I like this class. I've already talked myself into like 35 guys. So um, I would be a fan of that. So, so a fake trade that I came up with is mm. the Thunder trading the 12th pick and then to the Jazz and mm. also the Jazz's pick next year, which will be top 10 protected um, for the ninth pick. And so just like moving up a few slots, would that be worth it? Is there value moving up from 12 to 9 and you're basically giving up you know, an additional pick to do that? Would not do that. Okay. I don't think I would do that. Um, only because, okay, I, I feel confident, maybe irrationally so, in OKC's ability to find a player at number 12 that would be as valuable as what they could get at number 9. Okay. Um, and now may, maybe that's not the case. Maybe there's a, a tear break in how OKC views this class. But the difference between number 9, who I have as... Anthony Black on the CBS big board and number 12 who I have as Nick Smith Jr. Okay, maybe it's maybe it's marginal and maybe it's a lot, but I'm not sure it's worth like a future first round pick for it. So mm-hmm. um yeah, like I in general I I think unless you're just you have a ton of conviction about who you want and you want to go get your guy, um I I think I would probably lean towards keep your assets, don't consolidate at least not yet. So you mentioned um, Cam Whitmore. Are there any other players that would be worth trading up for? Like who like in like the 5 to 10 range? I think there probably would be teams that would be willing to move that pick. I think Dallas is one whether that be yeah. for a player or multiple picks. Um maybe even Utah like I mentioned would be maybe willing to do that. Maybe even Orlando since they've got multiple picks already. Um, yeah. Who who'd be who would be worth it that you think is like a a tier above everybody else? So in that range, first of all, I, I I'll say Portland. I feel like that pick could potentially be available. So yeah. would at least kick the tires around and be like, hey, what's it going to take? Can we move up and get a Brandon Miller or a Scoot Henderson? That would be kind of my first priority in the five to ten range. I actually think like either of the Thompson twins are pretty interesting to me. Amin is, you know, six foot seven. He's he profiles as kind of like a combo guard. He's really good as a playmaker, really smooth. Both of the Thompson twins are crazy athletes, like above the rim, um, can can finish above the rim. So both of those guys to me would make a lot of sense. Amin is the guy who I think like NBA talent evaluators see as a better playmaker, but Osar actually had a better assist rate this past season. I think his assists per game were 6.1, whereas Amin was 5.9. So they're both really good playmakers, and I, I think check boxes as in, in, in terms of like what OKC va- values as someone who is not a record scratcher, can, can help keep the offense moving, has a high IQ, very athletic, good positional size, um, I'm sure OKC fans probably want like, you know, maybe a a big man or something like just based off how the roster is constructed. I'm not entirely sure like what what they're most fiending for, but uh the Thompson Twins I think I think would make a lot of sense especially with with kind of how OKC's current roster is. Yeah, I'm I'm a fan of Asar Thompson. I think that he could really yeah. help this team and he provides like upside that other players yeah. in that range don't. Um Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, 
courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. When it's time for me to find a job, I went right to LinkedIn Jobs. They helped me find the right employer, and it was, man, very, very easy process. LinkedIn isn't just a job board. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. On LinkedIn, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Hire professionals like a professional on LinkedIn. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. LinkedIn is constantly finding ways to make the process easier. They even just launched a feature that helps you write job descriptions, making the process even easier and quicker. 2.5 million small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash dunk. That's linkedin.com slash dunk to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. A lot of Oklahoma City fans are very much bought in on Taylor Hendricks. Uh yes. Okay. So tell us about tell us about Hendricks and his like potential fit in Oklahoma City. Yeah, I like it. Um that's a guy who like I think people probably want to write off because he was really good at the mid major level, was was really productive at uh at UCF and maybe that's uh maybe that's not nice calling UCF a mid major, but uh was a four star recruit coming out of high school. Um, was really good, surprisingly so, this past season with with UCF, kind of as a combination forward who has great size. He's a he's a really good scorer. Uh, shot like nearly forty percent from the three point line, and to me is is almost like he has the size of a power forward, but almost profiles as like a power wing, like a really good strong defender who I think can space the floor, uh, can add some scoring. He is okay as a playmaker, but his defense, his length, I think is, is kind of his best asset. And then you have the, the three point shot that I think is kind of, um, cherry on top of, of kind of what his profile is. Um, I was just looking up something about, uh, Bobby Clintman, uh, from mm. Wake Forest, because you know this is the season of scuttlebutt, of rumors, of guys <laughs> positioning themselves to try to get to the teams they want to get to, and Bobby Clintman, who you didn't even have in your first round mock, all of a sudden oh. comes out and says, "Hey, I'm I'm not doing the combine. I'm out of here." Which, of course, everyone immediately thinks of a promise. He must have a promise from someone. And when Thunder fans hear promise, we instantly think about the Thunder. So it must be that the Thunder promised Bobby Clintman. <laughs> What what do you think? Like what range of this draft do you think in this first round? Because clearly he must have gotten a first round promise if he's going to bow out of the combine. What range yeah. of the draft do you think he would have been willing to do that for? I think it probably like to me it's probably top thirty five, like where you have a guarantee in your contract. Um, so that just barely excludes the Thunder at 37. Uh, <laughs> six foot ten, like just uh, he's he's a pretty good three point shooter, very raw. Um, and and I think, but very exciting. Someone who I think has been kind of a late riser during this draft process. Um, I don't have him in my first round mock right now. I think I have him like 33 on the big board, so just outside of of the first round. But I see the potential, like. 
I understand why people are excited when when someone who's like six foot nine, six foot ten, who you know, similar to who we just talked about, Taylor Hendricks, profiles as kind of like a major power wing slash combo forward. Uh, I think is is, uh, is really exciting. Like the positional size is great. Um, a lot of NBA franchises value kind of that and and think that that can be like kind of a foundational asset for a prospect. That to me is is kind of his uh, his selling point in a nutshell. Like the counting stats aren't amazing. He was uh, like five points per game, four point four rebounds per game at, at Wake Forest. So you're like, you know, Taylor Hendricks like. Taylor Hendricks clears. He's he's definitely the better prospect because he was putting up better numbers. But um, I think a lot of NBA teams are projecting out three or four years what they can be. And um, Clintman, I think you know what he what he showed and his athleticism, his length is um, is very exciting. Like long term, I think he could be a really interesting player. So other players that would be like considered Thunder guys, uh, Rayon hmm. Rupair is definitely somebody that is circled. I mean, he he basically he did the whole Usman Jang thing. Like he just was Usman Jang's shadow, essentially. Yep. Like back in like high school with him in France, and then um, over to uh, the New Zealand Breakers. And I don't know. I don't know what. What do you think about him? What do you think about him at twelve? Is that too rich for a player like that? Um, tell us what you know about Rupert. Yeah, uh, twelve to me would be too rich. Uh, for repair, but I would have said the same thing about J Dub last year at yeah. number twelve. So, like, what the heck do I know? Um, he's you know six foot seven, still a teenager, nineteen years old, comes from uh, New Zealand Breakers. To me, I think he's more of like a a project kind of in the similar mold as as Jang, where I like I see again I see like the the tools, I see the upside. I think he has pretty good like passing playmaking vision. The shot is um, I think a work in progress probably, but uh, the defensive foundation that he brings at, you know, six foot seven, the positional size. uh, I think he's a pretty smart player kind of from what I've seen. And it can be kind of difficult to, to scout the NBL. Um, I do like kind of his profile and I, I think probably his range in this draft if the Thunder really like him, it wouldn't totally surprise me if they took him at 12. To me, I think his range is more like uh, 15 to 30 mm-hmm. in this draft. Like, I think he's probably a first rounder, but I'm not entirely sure. Like, it'll be top half of, of the first round. Okay. So, one of our listeners at Pile of Bricks uh, wanted mm-hmm. to ask about a prospect and tell me if I have his name wrong because I thought I was saying it right this whole time and then I heard it differently. And so now I'm confused. Uh, Bilal Kulabali. Oh was, yeah, did I say? First of all, did I say it correctly? Oh, absolutely, you nailed it. Oh, okay, that was great. I heard it much differently yesterday, and it completely threw my <laughs> Who, brain. Who did you hear it from? I don't want to say what podcast it was, okay? <laughs> but I just heard it said in a way that really messed say up my head. Say it, say okay. it, say uh, it. What do you think about him as a prospect and possible draft yeah. riser? Because it's likely that one of these guys that is currently mocked in the back half of this first round is going to jump up into the lot- lottery. His name has been brought up as a potential draft riser. What do you think about him? Yeah, so Kulabali is someone who plays for Mets 92. For people who don't know, he's uh, Mets 92 is, by the way, Victor Wiminyama's team. Mm-hmm. And so like he's been he's been playing with women Yama for most of the season. And I think in part that has helped him because like, obviously there's a ton of attention on women Yama games yeah. and, and Mets 92. So that has helped. Um, he's, he's always been like a really toolsy guy. He's, you know, like a six foot eight wing. He's very long, very athletic. And, um, but has been kind of a little bit more raw from what I've seen the last, um, month plus it feels like he's he's definitely and maybe this is me ascribing a narrative but it does feel like he is a bit of a draft riser because he he's still very young he he's playing with a lot of confidence um with with his shot he's shooting more three-pointers and i think his shot looks pretty good um he's he's really confident kind of attacking the basket and um Man, imagine playing next to Victor Wembanyama and like having confidence to go and like just say, "Hey, Victor, you go stand in the corner." Like that is uh, 
that's wild to think about. And uh, so Koulibaly to me, like I think is pretty interesting as someone who, yeah, I, I think is probably a late riser could end up in the first round. I don't have a great read on where he will go in this draft, but yeah, like if, if he's like a late lottery guy, by the time the draft rolls around, that wouldn't totally surprise me. He's very toolsy. I think long-term a uh, very exciting prospect. So Grady Dick is somebody that I think has intrigued Thunder fans for a long time just because he's tall and can shoot. Mm-hmm. Um, what else does he bring to the table? And you ha- we haven't mentioned him as like a trade-up guy, but yeah. if, if the Thunder did execute like a trade for that Jazz pick like we talked about, mm-hmm. um, he'd be somebody that's kind of in that range. Would he be? Would he be worth something like that and then maybe just go into outside of – tall can shoot like what else do you see in his game yeah yeah i i think i think possibly it depends on where you're what what the price is to to uh trade up for him obviously but uh somewhere in that uh in that eight to twelve range would would make a lot of sense i think for dick um people see him and they think he's a white guy and he can shoot yeah (laughs) and um but he's a lot more than that like he's 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 actually like really athletic um, which is a little bit jarring. He has great size. He's like, I think he might almost be six foot nine. Um, so like his his profile is is really exciting. Uh, his shooting is great. Um, I think he can be a really good transition player. Not entirely sold on kind of his playmaking ability in terms of being able to attack and and create from that perspective. But the athleticism and and kind of the the way he moves and his movement shooting. I think is really exciting. I think a lot of people see Jordan Hawkins and and Grady Dick kind of in the same tier in terms of like their shooters who, who maybe will be shooters in the NBA and maybe not much more Dick to me. I see as someone who has like more potential to be a little bit more than just a shooter in the NBA. So that's why I have him ranked a little bit higher. I I think his long-term potential is uh is a little bit more appealing than you know maybe a Hawkins or some of the other kind of specialist shooters um in in recent years um so you're at the combine right now yeah and uh one of the parts of the combine is these drills and so we're getting all the results of these drills everyone involved with the draft tells us that these are meaningless that no one cares about them you'll see something like I saw yesterday Amoni Bates apparently did very well in the shooting competition so like people on twitter excited about it but like why do we do these does anyone ever take them seriously (laughs) has there ever been a drill where you're like wow that fundamentally changes the way i thought about this player because of the way they did this one drill uh no probably not probably not i mean it's just for fun what are we doing it's it's partly for fun sure i mean like uh, it's definitely a good backdrop to try and meet some people and yeah. but also like you know um people are doing like projections and they need inputs in terms of like measurements in terms of what their shuttle time is and uh their vertical jump and all these different things so they can kind of compare historically what prospects look like and how maybe they project to the nba so like i get it um, I'm not entirely sure it's that useful or valuable to me, but I do I do think like the five on five aspect, seeing these guys compete in person is is valuable. And um, so like the last time I was at the combine, it's like four years ago, but Nick Claxton was someone who stood out to me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, like I think I have him in my first round now. And I, I like at the time it was like, you're an idiot. Like, why would you do that? And um, so like it, it feels like every year, like the, the scrimmage setting I think is, is meaningful and it allows like you to see kind of how, how guys stack up against some of the, the top level competition. Do you already have the list of who's going to participate in the scrimmages? Mm, I can find it for you. Cause I was just it's, wondering, is there yeah. anyone that was surprising? Um, Cause I remember like it, it was, it was a big deal last year when Jalen Williams, J dub participated, or at least right. it was a big deal after he participated when everyone was like, Oh, this, you know, shows a lot of heart, hard work and all that stuff like people were very excited about the fact that he participated is there anyone like that this year yeah it's it's tough because like as of this year and this may actually be the last year with the new cba being in, in implemented but 
players are not required to participate in the combine. So like Scoot Henderson, Victor Wimanyama, like right. those those dudes, like they're definitely not going to be competing. Um, here's here's the teams. Team one is Turk Smith, Amari Bailey, Jordan Walsh, Azulis Tubelis, Adama Sanogo, Seth Lundy, Leonard Miller, Amari Moore, Drew Timmy, Kevin Muller, Kevin McCuller, uh, Jazz Gortman, PJ Hall. Team two, Judah Mintz, Podzimski, Imani Bates, Arthur Kaluma, Ryan Cockbrenner, Adam Flagler, Jalen Wilson, Grant Nelson, Deron Holmes, Mojave King, Serge Abari Rice, Tosan Ifbam. Uh, team three is Mike, uh, Mike Miles, Jordan Miller, Julian Strother, Coleman Hawkins, Adam B- uh, Bona, Jalen Pickett, Ben Shepard, Ricky Council, Tumani Kamara, Tristan Bukachev, Dylan Jones, Johnny Broom, and then the final team, Isaiah Wong, Andre Jackson, Omax Prosper, Dylan Mitchell, Oscar Shibway, Reese Bick- Beekman, Trey Alexander, Jalen Slauson, Terrence Shannon, Kendrick Davis, and Hunter Tyson. Um, so I would say Leonard Miller being in there is yeah. pretty interesting. Yeah, t- I think to me probably Leonard Miller is maybe the biggest name who is on that list and mm-hmm. competing. Um, like probably the only one who I'd say confidently is is a first round pick who's going to be competing. So yeah, that'll be All exciting. Right, cool. And those start today. Wednesday. Those start. Um, <clears throat> let's see. Yeah, they start today. They start okay, today. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're gonna go to some questions in the chat. Michael Clampett says you got Keontae George as a lotto guy. His shooting motion looks amazing, but defensively, he could use some work. Mm. How do you project his NBA role? It's tough. It's tough. I like Keontae George a lot, and it's looking more and more like I maybe a little too high on him, but combo guard who can, can score. I think he is a pretty good playmaker and showed that in flashes at, at Baylor last season. He's, he's like a high volume, low efficiency scorer um, in terms of his production profile last season at Baylor. So that's a little bit concerning, but again, just a freshman to me profiles as someone who's going to be like a, maybe off the bench, like, microwave score mm-hmm. can be like a chucker in the NBA. Um, I'm not entirely sure he's going to be like a starting NBA guard, but I like his offensive game. There's definitely some holes to his defensive game. Uh, I think that could maybe be patched up over time. Some of these young guys, it, it takes a little while. So yeah, I'm still high on him. I, I have him as a lottery pick. I, I really like Keontae George. Uh, Hoopstock69 wants to know about Imani Bates <clears throat> in the second round. Sure, if you want. I mean, <laughs> sure. His, uh, his story is so crazy because he yeah. was thought of as like the next guy. Like, oh, he's the guy that you tank for, you know, yeah. years ago. What? I mean, you can give us like the cliff notes of this, but like what happened? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like this is a guy who was compared to Kevin Durant. He was the number one recruit in his class for like multiple years. Uh, everyone thought that the one and done rule would change in part because of him, because he seemed like someone who would make the leap straight from high school to the NBA. Uh, he reclassifies his uh, going into his senior season signs with Memphis uh, comes out a year early. He has a not very good freshman season at Memphis. In fact, Memphis like statistically was better when he was, on the shelf and, uh, and injured. So, uh, he came back late in the season, just like wasn't really impactful for that Memphis team and, um, ends up transferring, goes to Eastern Michigan, which is where he's from, had a great season at Eastern Michigan, obviously the lower level of competition, uh, his shot selection leaves a lot to be desired. Not entirely sure. He's someone who I think like, teammates would love to play with um star potential i think for sure just because the size the the scoring ability is just insane but um yeah like his 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 shot selection isn't good i'm not entirely sure he's a he's a very good playmaker he's kind of like a ball sticker um so that's kind of like where things sit right now I, i i think he'd be available in the second round he seems like the opposite of whatever the Thunder are looking for in uh, potential projects, but 
Sure. 37. Why not? Roll the dice. I'm uh I'm just putting him in a Rockets jersey. I don't know that the Rockets uh, are yes. a second round pick, but he just mm. feels like a rocket to me. He does. Imani and Kevin Porter Jr. Yeah. Jalen Green. Yes. <laughs> I guess you haven't. Please, you haven't been back to the combine since the lottery last night, um, because you're in your Mm -hmm. hotel room. Uh, Because I'm really interested in what people think Portland could potentially get for the third pick, because Mm -hmm. everything coming out of Portland, like even their email after getting the third pick, was all about building around Dame. Like everything they are communicating from Dame to like the beat reporters that I follow to the team itself is saying we are building around Dame. Dame has said he doesn't want to play with like another 19 year old. He said that explicitly. If Scoot Henderson falls to three, because I don't know if you saw the quote from Mitch Kupchak, but this morning, let me just let me bring it up because it was a very funny quote for uh, Mitch Kupchak to say <laughs> about. Uh, the, the team that he uh, is in charge of. He said something. Oh, he said that they are good enough now where they don't have to go after best player available. They don't have to prioritize BPA. They can start thinking about fit. He said that in an interview, which is very funny. They're so okay. screwed. They're so, so, so let's, screwed. So knowing that, let's say that that means that they go for Brandon Miller. Scoot Henderson is available at three. People have said, you know, if this was a different draft, if Wemby's not there, Scoot is probably a number one overall pick. Mm-hmm. What what caliber of player do you think Portland could potentially get back? Oh, I don't have any idea. Or, I or, no or maybe idea. I should put it this way. I'm going to give you some players. You tell me if you think it's equal value, like fair value. Okay. All right. Joel Embiid. Oh, no. No. You, would, you wouldn't do it. Okay. I, I would do it. I don't think the, the Sixers are not trading Joel Embiid. Oh, uh, that 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 ignore that part. Let's just say these players are available for whatever reason. Is it good yes. enough to trade the future of Scoot Henderson? So yes. Joel Embiid, you'd say yes. Um, Jalen yes. Brown, yes. Okay, uh, that's that's kind of like my dividing line because now we mm. get to like Pascal Siakam. Yes. Hmm. Okay, Carl Anthony Towns. No. Okay. Those are like the main names I've heard. Yeah. As just like, you know, if something blows up this summer, those are the like the big names that could be available. I just it's terrifies me because if like I'm a Blazers fan, I have such a high bar for what the player coming back needs to be for me to pass up the idea of Scoot Henderson. Right. And so many stars have to align just for that trade to even be a possibility. I mean, Jalen Brown could could sign that that huge extension this summer, and he's off the board. I agree right. with you that I don't think Philly's going to trade Embiid. So now you are talking about someone in that like Siakam range, and man, it would just be really tough for me. Like, do you do you view Scoot in that same way, the way that s- some people are talking about him? Whereas he would be the number one pick in most, like if Wemby wasn't there in most drafts. Yeah, I th- I think so. I. Look, I, I think it would be short-sighted of Portland to try and trade potentially Scoot Henderson for like a Pascal Siakam, but like I understand it too because you're trying to win now. You're trying to maximize what you have with Damian Lillard. And maybe you take the short-term trade-off for star production right away and trade away you know, a guy who could be a, a multi-time all-star and a future lead guy of your franchise. Um, I would not personally do it. If Scoot Henderson fell to number three, I would just take Scoot Henderson and figure it out. If that upsets Damian Lillard, okay, like you figure it out, do whatever you need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, man, I don't know. It's it's a really it's a really tough spot for Portland, but it sounds like I mean the scuttlebutt is like Portland's going to trade out of this pick because they want to they want to try and get someone who could help win now. Would right. you trade Would you trade Jalen Williams for the third pick if it was Scoot Henderson there? I would. I would, yeah. I mean, I would prefer to have Jalen Williams. Uh, what about uh, one other name I thought of? Uh, Mikael Bridges. What if Brooklyn mm-hmm. offered him for the third pick? Because I actually heard Sam Vecini, I think, came up with an idea of Bridges and Nick Claxton for the third pick. And I was like, mm-hmm. man, that is pretty. That is interesting. That's pretty juicy. Yeah, that's, there's that, some juice there. That's like a win win, right? Portland gets <sighs> kind of some. 
some win now pieces. I mean, which side would you take? I think I would probably take the the Scoot side or Brendan Miller, depending on side. who's there. But yeah, I'd probably take the Scoot side. Scoot side just because they already have Shaden Sharp, and like I, yeah. I kind of like Shaden and the idea of having that backcourt just locking it in for the next you know five or six years. Yeah. And then knowing you're going to probably be bad, but you don't really have to worry about it because that pick that's, I think Chicago has it right now, it's always going to be lottery protected. So like you're in a yeah. good situation. You're set up well to kind of play this lottery game for a few years. I don't know if they have the appetite for that. And I get that like Dame is, I mean, he is huge here in Portland. So I yeah. I get why they are so reluctant to do that. But that that is the juiciest one that I had heard proposed so far. I like that. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I could see that. Uh, okay. I I need to ask you one more question. I need to know about Jairus Walker and your thought mm. of him in Oklahoma City. I have a we have a dedicated listener, Sports Fan Four Hundred Five, who tweets at me almost every day about Jairus Walker. And so, thoughts on <laughs> Jairus Walker? Thoughts on his fit with the Thunder? Oh yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. Um, I don't. I don't typically mock him to the Thunder because I can't imagine he falls to number twelve. Mm-hmm. Maybe this is a guy who you package some assets to go and get. But I like him a lot. Former five star recruit. Um, he's like six foot nine. Has like a seven foot two wingspan. I think he's a really good kind of playmaker for his position. He's very smart. Really good three point shooter. Physically, like just insane uh, for just like his. This feels weird to say, but like his body is impressive. Uh, he's very like physically mature for a 19 year old. Yeah. Like he just does not look like a 19 year old. Um, I think just profiles perfectly as someone who can be like a NBA power forward and a really productive one for a long time. I like his defense. Um, to me, I think there's no, there's really no holes in his game. So um, yeah, shout out, shout out to the, to the listener there. Keep asking about Jairus Walker. I'm very excited <laughs> about him. <laughs> uh, Al, do you have anything else? No, I think I have exhausted all my questions. Okay. Yeah, we've gone we've gone over an hour. So uh, go follow Kyle on Twitter at Kyle the Boon on Twitter and read his stuff at cbssports.com. Is there anything else that you would like to promote, Kyle, before we go? Um. No, I don't think so. Yeah, go to cbssports.com. I have a, a mock draft uh, up somewhere on the site that you can probably find. And then throughout the week, I'll do some like notebooks and uh, maybe some other takeaways and, and stuff from, from the Combine. But yeah, that's it. I appreciate you guys having me on. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us. I uh, hope you guys have a great day. And we'll talk to you guys again on Friday.